To lead a thriving and impactful ministry, you need to make decisions when feeling confident in yourself and in God. But what if our mind is causing us to have doubts and we fear that next level of success? Well, in this episode, I will share the three areas of your life that might be feeding into those negative thoughts and how you can overcome it once and for all. You've got a dream to glorify God and make your mark on the world. Maybe you want to grow a business, start a ministry, or become a better servant leader. Whichever level in life you want to hit, I believe that God's calling all of us towards something greater than where we are now. So join me as I document my journey to learn how to grow an online ministry in ways that are effective, biblical, and aren't stuffed with complicated religious or business mumbo-jumbo. My name is Alec Hassan, and welcome to the Digital Ministry Mastermind Podcast. Hey, what is going on, current Christian family? It is Alec here, and I'm gonna do something a little new here. I wanted to start this episode off by giving a big shout out and thank you to Michael from Michigan, Rachel from Louisiana, and Luanda from Florida. Uh, you guys have, you know, you just purchased Planting a Purpose today, so I want to give a little shout out and say thank you so much for taking this leap of faith, or more, more exactly like a first step of faith, but uh, yeah, taking this first step into this direction of fully embracing your God-given calling and being able to discover who it is that God made you to be. So in our last episode, I laid the foundation for a topic that has been talked about for centuries in the church, and it is something that Christians and non-Christians have struggled with on a daily basis, and that's that little annoying voice that we all have in our head, you know, that causes us to maybe doubt ourselves, to doubt God, and ultimately compromise and settle for less than for what God had in mind for our lives to begin with. Now, some people refer to this voice as the devil or the Satan or the, the accuser. Um, even like uh, I've heard an inner villain, that's, that's a new one that I've heard recently. But today's episode, you know, it's not about um, identifying what those unhelpful thoughts are. Rather, in this episode, I want to expose those thoughts. And I want to help you move in the direction that God really wants you to go. And that negative voice is not going to get you there. And truthfully, like, once those thoughts have less power over you, and when some of them are removed entirely, like, you can't even begin to imagine how much more you'll be able to accomplish not just in like ministry, but like in just your personal life as well. Because I want you to think about all those times where you made a decision that led to something greater happening. You know, whether that was like getting a promotion or taking that new job or making a phone call or asking out that special someone. Ooh, <laughs> uh, you know, none of these actions were taken from a position of being fearful. Sure, like you may have been nervous, but you were also confident and courageous at the same time by like taking that action anyway. Because if you think of like that story of David and Goliath, you know, all the other Israelites allowed Goliath's words, like he was just patronizing them and filling their heads with doubt and were causing them not only to just doubt themselves, but doubt God. But David, you know, he was confident because of like not just his past experiences, but he also didn't allow Goliath's toxic words to get into his head. And as I'll explain later in this episode, when we identify where these toxic thoughts are hiding inside of us and flush them out, then that's really where we're going to start seeing drastic increases in our confidence. 
And I also, you know, want to go in depth on talking about how these toxic thoughts were created and sustained pretty much all this time. That way, you know, those new ones don't come back. So let's talk about, finally, the first place that these toxic, parasitic thoughts come from. And many of you might not like it. I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to be pointing out where these negative thoughts come from. And some of you guys might push back on it a little bit. I'm just, you know, a little disclaimer here. (laughs) But where a lot of our toxic thinking comes from, it's from current events, really, like mainstream media. You know, the news is a big, big example. Like, I'm not trying to say don't be up to date on current things. And you might even be thinking that it's like critical, like I have to listen to the news. Like I want, I want to push back on that a bit and argue otherwise. Because sure, you know, it's wise to be aware of important events, but news networks and news articles, they are focused on one thing and it's not reliable information. You know, that might come second or third on their list of important things to provide. But what they are really focused on is getting the views and shares, which mainly comes from negative content. Like there's this statistic out there that content that contains something negative or polarizing in nature gets about four times more engagement than positive news. So you can bet that, you know, these major news networks who are battling with each other and battling just to get people's attention uh, because, you know, they've got to they got to combat with uh, TikTok dancing and cat videos. So you got to bet that these major news networks are going to put a lot of their effort into applying this practice of having negative news be the influencing, you know, driving practice of getting shares. And I know that Tim Ferriss, he wrote the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. He is a big advocate of doing these news fasts, like where he doesn't watch or listen to any news, not even reading the newspaper. And in fact, he mentions a really good method to getting news that I've personally been using for a few years now. And, you know, I can advocate this method actually really works well. And what he says to do is that next time you're in like a coffee shop or some type of service industry uh, (laughs) building, simply just ask one of the workers who's serving you like, hey, is there anything interesting going on in the world lately? I didn't get a chance to... Uh, read the newspaper this morning. You know, you just ask them that. And I bet you, you know, if there's something that you need to know, they will tell you it. And if there is something that's just like, oh, they're just sharing whatever random news that's not too important, you know, then cool. You did not waste your time uh, feeding your brain with all that negative information that you would see in news articles or on the TV and whatnot. And to go back to that David and Goliath example, you know, the soldiers who were near Goliath, they were getting the 411 and they were getting all the most recent news updates about what is going on. And everyone in the area who wanted to know the updates were hearing about all the negative things that Goliath was sharing and all the doubt uh, that the soldiers had about winning, you know, was beginning to be spread amongst the people there. So pretty much everyone who was close to the action was extremely doubtful and timid. Then, you know, here comes David, who has been going about his day, you know, doing the work that he needed to get done. And he asks like, hey, uh, what's going on? And he was simply told that, hey, there's a giant here named Goliath. He's insulting the nation. And whoever beats him will never pay taxes again and gets to marry the king's daughter. Boom. So it's like, you see right there, like that was all David needed to hear. He didn't need to hear the insults from Goliath or the doubts of the people close to the battle. 
David was told exactly the right amount of information he needed to make a firm decision. Uh, but I know for sure that if David was being constantly fed the doom and gloom information that was being passed around, that he may not have had the confidence to do what needed to be done. And same can be said for you. You know, don't get more information than you need. Just get enough to make a decision and simply make the decision. In fact, uh, Jesus said it like this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And uh, there's a couple more things to the quote there. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 23. What I want to emphasize here is don't feed the negative thoughts by viewing or listening to negative things. And don't let others convince you that you need to be up to date on the latest negative news either. Because <laughs> I promise you, it isn't serving you. And if anything, it's only feeding that dormant negative thought that is just ready to just instill all this doubt when you need confidence. So, in fact, you could replace the time that you spend consuming news with something that is actually going to help you. And uh, you could do something like reading something positive, stretching, going on a walk, meditating, praying, listening to podcasts. <laughs> and, you know, those are just a few things that can guarantee and improve your life. Whereas the news cannot guarantee that, uh, to be honest. It can, like, the, the, the news cannot guarantee that it's going to make your life better if you view it every single day. In fact, what I'm trying to say here is that it'll do the exact opposite. So the first area where that toxic voice comes from is negative news. Now, the second area where negative thoughts can be hiding is in the belief that you need to improve in the areas where you're weakest. It's like the saying um, that you're only as strong as your weakest link. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone has heard that before. Uh, but let me tell you, if a link ain't strong, get rid of it. You know, boats, <laughs> this idea of these links being linked together, I'm imagining like a, a boat and an anchor and that anchor has these big chains. And if a chain, if one of the links on the chain is weak, um, boats, they don't, they don't try to keep these wink, these weak links, you know, they just, they remove them. And if anything, trying to preserve or strengthen an area where you're weak, it's only holding you back from doing something greater. You know, you'll always measure your ability on that dumb, weak link, when in reality, you've got so many other strengths that you should be focusing more on those than you should on this darn little weak link that you think is so crucial. And it's wild, because, and I'm only saying this because, like, I want to encourage you, because it's, like, genuinely, like, you've got a lot of passions. Like, I just know if you're listening to this and you're at this part in the podcast right now, you are, you're a person who puts in work. You're a person who's an action taker, who's really trying to get the most out of their life in the walk in, in the walk with Jesus. And it's wild because in school, they ingrain this thinking into our heads that we need to focus on our weaknesses because, you know, if we aren't good at a particular subject, then we have to work really hard to improve in that area. But that's just not how things work in the real world. You know, businesses, they hire out to other companies and firms to take on tasks that are outside the expertise of that business. And you know, athletes, they hire people like chefs, accountants, and social media managers because those athletes are focused on their strength, which is being an athlete. <laughs> it's kind of like um, going back to the king, to or not to the king, uh, but to 
to David and Goliath right here when King Saul gave David his own armor and his own sword to fight Goliath. So you got this, and just in case you don't know, King Saul was known for being a really large dude. He wasn't as big as Goliath, but King Saul was like towering over everyone. And David at this point in history is a legitimate child. Like he's a literal child. So you got a grown man who's the tallest of everyone in Israel, in Israel giving a child his armor and sword. It's like, dude, you're setting this kid up for, for failure. But anyway, so, you know, this armor, it's like a metaphor of people's expectations. And King Saul expected David to fight Goliath with a, with the sword, which was likely, you know, that was probably Saul's strength. He was good at, with the sword, but David was skilled with a sling. And he didn't need that armor anyway. If anything, I could imagine a scenario where Saul might have tried to convince David to get better at fighting with the sword because maybe David wasn't too good at using it. But, you know, David stood his ground, removed that armor, and put down that sword, and he literally stripped himself of the expectations of others and went into battle, leaning into his strengths, which was using his slingshot. And I know this episode's including a lot of David and Goliath analogies here, but, you know, it's all true. Focusing on areas that aren't your strengths is, you know, to put it bluntly, just a, a big waste of time. And it's zapping you of your confidence, which is exactly what the enemy wants. Because if your strengths aren't maximized and your confidence is low, then you're in a position to not do a lot of great things in your life or ministry. Because you can even ask yourself, like, what opportunities have you passed up in your life simply because you focused more on your flaws than on your strengths. What's wild is that if there weren't people like King Saul who are trying to put on this armor that doesn't fit us and want us to be good with a sword that we're not trained with, you know, we'd if they weren't there in our lives, we would most likely just be practicing the things that we're already good at and getting better at our own strengths naturally. And um, you know, this leads me into the third area where this toxic voice comes from. And it's bad advice. So you see, the first area was negative news. The second was focusing on weaknesses. And the third is bad advice. So think about that time where you had a business idea or something like really cool that you wanted to do as a child. And you, you may be told an adult or a friend or a sibling, and they immediately shut down the idea. Then sometime later in your life, you know, you see the very same thing that you once or passionate about, or that you once wanted to do, and someone else is doing it, and is loving life because of it, and they're really successful. Now you gotta ask yourself, why why wasn't it you who took on that opportunity and made it your own? Well, it was because of the bad advice you got, and you know, you're not the only one, like I've been through this as well. And what blows my mind is there is this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which basically is this thing that happens in our brains when you know when we begin to learn something and we get to be a little bit knowledgeable at a topic and then all we can do is just like talk about it forever uh but then as you know we begin to learn more we begin to learn more about how much we actually don't know about the topic and even though we're we're getting more knowledgeable our confidence to talk about it actually begins to decrease and the reason why i bring this up is because you and I have people in our lives who know a little bit about what we're going through, but not nearly enough to be talking to us about it as an expert. And I bet you have encountered the friend or family member 
who is single but is giving you relationship advice or someone who's broke but they're telling you how to manage your finances. And the Bible says that bad advice is some of, if not, the worst advice you can get. And Jesus says it like this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you cross land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. And that's in Matthew 23, verse 15. Yeah, Jesus is laying it down in this verse. Uh, but the part you should really be focusing on and worrying about is that last part where Jesus says that the Pharisees and teachers of religious law are turning people into twice the child of hell as they are. Now, these people who are giving bad advice, they aren't just making their students as bad as they are. These people, they're, they're making students who are twice as bad as they are. So pretty much like what the Bible is trying to let you in on here, like this is some of those nuggets of gold right here, they're like keys of wisdom or whatever. But what it's saying here is like that person that you know who's in a bad situation financially, if you listen to their advice, you're going to be in twice as bad of a situation as they are. And that person who's in a toxic relationship, who's giving you relationship advice, you're going to be in a twice as bad of a relationship as they are. And, you know, this is what the Bible says will happen if you listen to bad advice. So you, like, you really got to be cautious of what people are telling you and who is telling you it. Because you'll have family members and friends try to give you advice that isn't helpful, but it's like wrapped up nicely in a package um, that's like just full of like loving concern. But if it's not good advice, then it's simply not good advice. Uh, plus the people giving you bad advice are typically the people who are closest to you, which makes it like really hard to discern if it's good advice or not good advice. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes people may be maliciously trying to sabotage you, but more often than not, it's just a doubtful or worrisome person in your life who's just trying to protect you. You know, like Peter wanted to protect Jesus from going to the cross, but, you know, Jesus's death and resurrection was like one of the best things to have ever happened in history. But, you know, Peter didn't know that at the time. And he was just a guy who was concerned about his friend and his teacher because he was going to die. You know, like who wouldn't, who wouldn't be concerned about that? And you got to understand that there are literally hundreds and thousands of moments throughout our day where we are being exposed to messages and inputs that impact how we think. You know, whether they feed our toxic thoughts or they empower us, they're coming at us nonstop. And when we're dealing with negative news, uh, the stress that comes from focusing on our weaknesses or just like the bad advice we receive from those around us, we've got to do something proactive to combat all these inputs that feed the toxic voice in our head. And I didn't want to end this episode without at least giving you three of the best ways to combat this negative voice. And the first way you can do it it might seem pretty obvious, but I got to say it, is one, just reducing the inputs that you receive from the news. You know, just cut out the news. Second thing is being conscious of what you feed your mind. You know, don't just let anything in. And three, being selective of who we allow into our inner circle. And I've even got one very powerful exercise that I want to wrap up this episode with. And that exercise, 
It is all about being selective with the words that you use. Because I remember, like, I was going through a season of life where when I was around friends or family members, I would just get, like, super, super stressed out uh, whenever they would invite me places. Like, they'd be like, hey, Alec, you want to come out, um, you know, for lunch this week or whatever? You know, I would, just, I would just get frustrated because I was really busy doing my ministry work. And if I was hanging out with people, then, you know, I wouldn't be doing work. But also, if I didn't hang out with people, then I'd feel guilty because I was working the whole time. And it was basically like a lose-lose scenario. I don't know. Have you ever had this where you felt guilty that you were hanging out with people? And then you felt guilty because you weren't hanging out with people. It's like, what do you what do? you do? And uh, what I started to realize when I took a moment to step back was that the words I was using, that's what was making me feel upset and stressed. Because I was using words like busy and I was saying things like, oh, these people are taking away my time and even just saying things of like, I feel stressed. These, all these things were causing stress because <laughs> in reality, it wasn't that I was necessarily busy Rather, I just really enjoyed the work that I was doing. So to do work for me was something that I actually like really enjoyed, which is sad that a lot of other people don't get to experience this. But when I'm doing work, including this ministry stuff, doing these podcasts, like I really enjoy it. And my family and friends, you know, they weren't taking away time from me. They were just simply inviting me to participate in the activities that they had already planned to do in the first place. And my stress, you know, it wasn't really stress. Um, when I began to really look at it and examine it, it was really just excitement to make some more progress in the work that I'm doing. So when I would tell myself that old story of, oh, I'm busy and my friends and family are taking away time from me and I'm feeling stressed, it was like I was battling my friends and family and even my work. It was like I was viewing those things as the enemy. But by simply adjusting my language and adjusting my attitude and approach to the entire situation, like things change. Like I'm not going to say immediately, but they did change drastically. And this led to me having not just a better time with my friends, but better time with my family and even a better time at work. So because like I'm sure you can imagine going from saying I'm busy and my friends and family are taking my time away from me and I'm feeling stressed you know, shifting it from that to, you know what? I really enjoy the work that I get to do, which is why I tend to do work a lot and not spend too much time with my friends and family. And when my friends and family invite me out, they want to invite me because they genuinely like my presence there. And I am super excited about the future opportunities that I get to have in my ministry, which is why I look forward to the future. Like, I'm sure it's just you hearing that, you can just feel the difference. Even in my tone of voice, I felt like I was like, like emotionally, just like in my heart and stuff. Like I was even feeling better just saying that versus the few sentences of busy, taking away time and stress. It's crazy. So what words and what story are you telling yourself? Are there certain trigger words like that word stressed I was saying, I'm sorry if stressed makes you feel stressed. Um, or maybe the word busy, maybe the word busy puts you in, in a negative mood. And maybe instead of saying something like I'm busy or I'm stressed, you could say something like, hey, I'm blessed with so many opportunities that I'll have to start saying no to some tasks that aren't better serving me and my family. 
Now, I'm not saying that the story you tell yourself or the situations that are happening is false. It might just be that your story has a different perspective that you just haven't recognized yet. And when you take the power away from certain words that are used, they don't impact you nearly as much. And when you take away certain words from your story and your vocabulary altogether, you'll find that your attitude begins to improve, your perspective begins to improve, and so will your walk with Jesus. Because I want you to think about it. Are you telling yourself you're in a storm or are you telling yourself you're in a boat with Jesus? And, you know, that question, that kind of ref- <laughs> kind of referencing the last episodes there. So if you have no clue what I'm talking about, just go back and listen <laughs> to that. Because where your focus goes, your energy flows. And the life you choose is influenced by the words that you use. And this idea of that, of the story that we tell ourselves is so crucial to our long-term success that I want to spend the entire next episode talking about it and helping you develop a story that's empowering you to move in a direction that God wants to lead you. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Hey, if you felt any moments of like a little bit of inspiration or wisdom there, then I want to invite you to please subscribe to this podcast. Leave a little review, please, if you may. And uh, if you know anyone else who would really benefit from this type of information or any of the past information that we've talked about in previous episodes, then by all means, invite, uh, invite them to listen to this as well. Share this episode, share past ones. And hey, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in our next episode. Are you a Christian leader looking to develop the skills needed to maximize the fruitfulness in your daily walk with Christ? Do you want to overcome the burden of not living life to the fullest and fully step into your God-given calling? If you do, then you should get a copy of my book, Planting Your Purpose, a 20-day guide to discover God's calling. It's not just another devotional book. Planting Your Purpose is your 20-day guide that will provide you with the strategies, tools, and insights to turn things around immediately. You will learn how to avoid the top five mistakes Christians make when pursuing their calling in life. You'll develop more joy in your walk with Jesus and unlock the secrets to mastering integrity. And by the end of 20 days, not only will you know your calling, but you'll have an even greater sense of fulfillment and confidence in your life. Everywhere, Christians are raving about this amazing new guide to discover their God-given calling. Get your copy by clicking the link in the show notes or by going to plantingyourpurpose.com. That's plantingyourpurpose.com.